This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, April 10th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. As colleges and universities have effectively transitioned to online education, does the long-term value proposition for higher ed change? Does the stigma associated with online institutions simply go away? Cato's Neil McCluskey discusses what this pandemic has meant and may yet mean for higher ed. There are a lot of things changing at once that have a pretty significant impact on higher ed right now that is... There are a lot of people out of work, and people often need to retool and uh, gain new skills when they're out of work. But also universities, for the most part, are effectively shut down. What do we know right now about how universities are dealing with these sort of twin problems? Well, universities are kind of doing what elementary and secondary schools have done, which is they have tried to move as much instruction as possible online. So it's certainly harder in some fields uh, in higher ed than you see in K-12 through to move online. You can't really replicate a lot of the lab work that chemistry majors or, or uh, you know, engineers may be doing. But a lot of the certainly liberal arts kind of work and things like that, uh, law schools, they have moved their instruction online. So we see um, a lot of use of Zoom uh, just like we see in K through 12, just like we see in businesses. Uh, we see uh, professors recording uh, lectures for people to view anytime they want. Not every uh, professor is comfortable with doing sort of real-time lecturing so that recording works out for them. Um, but certainly the universities are in a state of flux. Uh, and, and the biggest problems that they've had um, haven't really been so much about how you deliver the the educational content, although that's certainly big, but it was that they quickly, if especially for heavily residential schools, had to move a whole lot of people out of dormitories and other residence uh, facilities, uh, get them out of there, get their stuff out of there, and then they have to figure out, well, how are we going to return their money or how much are we going to charge them or are we going to prorate this? Uh, we had at the very beginnings uh, some students almost rioting at the University of Dayton uh, because they were told you got to get out in three days. And so it's actually been more the difficulty of moving a whole lot of people and closing down a lot of physical operations that have been problems more so than how you deliver the educational content, although that has certainly been a big problem as well. So uh, does this change the value proposition? I mean, going forward, are uh, young people, students, and universities going to realize that perhaps these schools had, uh, as you say uh, on occasion, uh, perhaps they've overinvested in a lot of things that actually aren't delivering a lot of value for students down the road? Yeah, that's really interesting or will be really interesting to see what the effect of this is on people deciding it's worth my money and time and effort to go to a campus and live there residentially for four years or five years or increasingly six years, um, understanding that that is a model of education that we all tend to think of as colleges. Somebody gets right out of high school and they go to a campus and they, you know, they party for four years and maybe take some classes, but they live on that campus. That was already becoming the minority, but it's still a lot of what we think of. And I think we're going to see for many people 
they were already saying, is it worth the $60,000 a year I have to pay for that experience? And now they're going to see that they could get education online in many cases. More importantly, they're going to see colleges will give them credit for education online. And that's a really important thing. It appears that many people are much more interested in getting the diploma than actually what they're learning in college. And they'll see that they can maybe learn the same amount, but get that diploma without having to spend all the money and put in all the effort of actually traveling to an institution. And so I think you'll see some percentage of students drop off just saying, this model doesn't make a lot of sense. However, for lots of students, especially if you come from a pretty comfortable background, and you could still, no doubt, you'll be able to get federal student loans or other things that'll help you pay whatever the college will charge. For a lot of people, the point of college is that kind of in-person experience that is actually probably, for many people, more about fun than learning. They want to get that diploma, but they really want to have a lot of the socializing experiences and social experiences, the parties and the you know, the water parks and the football games, they want those sort of things that they can only get on campus. Then third, there are certainly some majors where you really are going to learn things that you can really only learn efficiently in a college, but those tend to be things that require a lot of equipment and you can't transfer that equipment to somebody's computer. So again, that's the chemistry majors or especially the engineering majors and the physics majors who need those kind of big high-tech labs. And so those people aren't going to be able to reduce their education to whatever they can put on their laptop or home computer. And so they will still be going to uh, sort of on-campus traditional schools, but also getting usually some very significant value out of that. Those are majors that usually have pretty big payoffs once you graduate. So what should be the the policy response to this? I mean, we can't necessarily expect that uh, this kind of outbreak or sort of sudden shutdown of uh, a large section of the economy and schools and and that sort of thing. We can't expect that to happen uh, very often. But I, and I know policymakers will be this will have some salience with them for some time. But is there a lesson, a clear lesson for policy uh, with respect to higher ed? Well, I wouldn't say there's an extremely clear lesson only because the expectation and certainly the hope is that this is the sort of thing that only happens, you know, once in not just a lifetime, but the lifetime of uh, a centenarian. Um And so I I think probably, even though this is a very painful experience for everybody, uh, I think most people are going to say, oh, well, we're not going to probably see it much, at least after, you know, we have a vaccine for this. What are the odds of having it again? So a lot of people will say, go back to business as usual, I think. Um, And I would not recommend necessarily that policymakers right now say, you know, higher ed is going to be like this for a very long time. So we need to change how it's functioning. I think uh, there are many reasons we need to get rid of federal student loans and grants and a lot of what we've been doing, but probably this pandemic isn't the reason to do it. But what I think we will see is that already people were having doubts about how valuable this model was, certainly whether it was worth the amount of money that people were spending on it. And I think this will be another thing that pushes people, at least those who are on the margin already, 
pushes them farther away from wanting or thinking that this is a good investment. So you will, I think, see more people saying, you know what, I am going to either get short-term credentials, you know, I'm not going to go for a bachelor's degree, I might go for an associate's degree, I might go for a certificate. They may say, instead of going to a four-year residential college, it makes sense to go to my local community college, so the disruption's not as great if something like this happens. And I think a lot more people will be saying, you know, it makes sense to get my education uh, online, and importantly, it will make sense for sort of established institutions to deliver more online education. Because the biggest problem that online providers in higher ed have had now is higher ed is largely a reputational thing. It's not all that much about what have you actually learned. It's more of a signal about who you are, you know, are you kind of smart? You play by the rules. And what's hurt a lot of online programs is that Employers see that and say, why is this person going to this online program that I don't know? Or I see ads late night at TV and that makes me a little skittish. Why are they doing that instead of going to a traditional four-year residential college? And increasingly, when you have already people saying it costs too much, but following this pandemic, it'll be more understandable to employers why people would do that. And I think incrementally, that makes a credential from an online institution more valuable, or at least it reduces the stigma attached to it. So I think the market will drive this, not so much policymaking. Neil McCluskey directs the Cato Institute Center for Educational Freedom. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.